I'm here to warn you about something. Here to give you a warning, all right? Because you're all suffering from something. It's not the camp crazies, or that that might be happening. I don't know about that, right? Something else. This is a, a highly dangerous, highly transmittable, a reoccurring, a debilitating disease, all right? Everyone over the age of 18 months will at some point suffer from this. It's called FOMO, all right? It's called FOMO. Who here has heard of FOMO? Oh, good chunk, all right, here's what it stands for. It stands for the fear of missing out. Fear of missing out, that's FOMO. So it's essentially a panic, right? A panic that comes about because something good, something exciting, something interesting is happening somewhere else and you're not there, all right? You have this fear of missing out on something, all right? Here we've got a little infographic for you telling us all about it. We'll go, yeah, going back to this one. Fear of missing out, all right? Real big, real serious, legit, all right? Watch out for it. And there's a bunch of causes, a bunch of causes of FOMO. We've got down here, one of them's travel, all right? This is Croatia, all right? I want to go to Croatia. It looks pretty nice, all right? So you open up your Instagram, and you've got the Croatia travel page, and you're like, man, I am missing out. I'm missing out on the weird... Uh, they're not naked. That weird waterfall business going on over there, or this little town. I'm missing out. I'm missing out on the travel. Or maybe it's fashion. You're like, I'm going to miss out on the next fashion, all right? Oh my gosh, he's majestic, all right? He's majestic. I just, I'm going to miss out on the next fashion, the phase of the Oompa Loompa hair or whatever's next. I'm going to miss out. Fear of missing out. Maybe it's music events. Maybe you're looking at Coachella that's going on at the moment. And you're like, man, I could wear paint on my face and look like a hippie and go do that. I could do that. Maybe it's Danish homewares. Maybe you, you walk through Kmart and you're like, man, I'm missing out on that Scandi side table. I'm missing out on that. I've got a fear of missing out on that. Maybe it's milkshakes. I feel like milkshakes are one of the things now that just keep getting bigger. It's like, how much can we fit into a milkshake? That is a burger in a milkshake. If that was just the burger, that'd be too big <laughs> to be a burger. And now it's in a milkshake. You open up your Instagram, you're like, man, I want to go to that place. It's got that epic milkshake. And you feel FOMO. You have that fear of missing out on something. Now, all these, all right, all social media stuff, open up your Insta, you get bombarded with it. It's everywhere. We feel it all the time, I reckon. And the Christians in Colossae, they're starting to feel FOMO. Probably not over the Danish homewares and things like that, but they are starting to feel that sense of missing out of something. They fear missing out on something. So remember, they're a young church. Epaphras took them the gospel. We saw that in chapter one. Epaphras heard it from Paul, goes and takes it to the Colossians. They believe it. And not long after, Paul writes this letter to them. All right, so they're a young church, but these guys have started going around, Colossi, started going around and telling them some dodgy stuff. They're telling them that there's actually more to the Christian faith. There's something more involved in it that they're missing out on. They're saying, no, Jesus is good, that's fine, keep trusting in Jesus, that's fine, but there's more to it. There's more experiences that you're missing out on. There's more stuff that you're missing out on. And so the Colossians are starting to feel this sense of FOMO. All right. I see the guys hanging out in, in Croatia, and my life seems a little bit lame because I want to be over there. The Colossians, they hear about this new stuff that they're being told, 
And they think what they've got starting to feel a bit lame. The Colossians are feeling a sense of FOMO. Are they missing out? Check out what Paul describes is being taught to them by these extra dudes, by these dodgy dudes. It's in chapter 2, verse 4, just a little bit before the bit that we read. He says, I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. So you see that they're tempted to leave the gospel or at least change the gospel that they've got a little bit because it sounds like there's something else better. This sounds like there's something, there's something else better, but there's actually not. It's deception. It's a lie. It sounds better, but it's actually far, far worse, and it will destroy their faith. And the reason this is a big thing for us today is because what's to say that you won't be deceived by something that sounds good? What's to say that you won't be deceived by something and it makes you leave the gospel? What's to say that won't be you? The chunk we're going to look at today in Colossians is going to help us make sure we never leave the gospel. It's going to make sure that anything else that pops up will never even want a bar of it. It's going to help you stick in the gospel. That's what it's going to do. All right? So I'm going to pray now. I'm going to ask that God would just help us to understand what he's saying in his word. Pray with me. God, we thank you for your goodness to us. We want to thank you that you speak to us in your word. As we read your word and have it explained for us now, it's as if you're speaking to us. So we pray that as you do that, pray that you just help us to understand what you're saying. Amen. All right. Come with me to verse 6 and verse 7. You want to sum up the book of Colossians? These are the verses to go to. They're on the side of your fat shirt. All right. They're a big deal. If you want to sum up Colossians, these are the verses. Here we go. Verse 6. Chapter 2, so then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in Him, rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. We're going to see three things that Paul tells the Colossians to get them to stick in the gospel. Three things that God tells us what we can do to stay in the gospel. And here's the first one. If you're writing stuff down, here's the first one. You need to get the gospel. You need to get the gospel. You can see verse 6, he kicks off, just, so then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord. So what does it mean to receive Christ Jesus as Lord? Well, we looked at that yesterday, right? Jesus is the Lord. He's the Lord of the universe. He creates it. He sustains it. He owns it. And so he's the Lord of it. He rules you. He rules me. He's our Lord, whether we like it or not. Remember, there were the two ways to come under him as Lord. To receive him as Lord here is to do so willingly, to come under Jesus willingly. And the Colossians have done that. They've come under Jesus. But this is where he reminds them what it looks like to come under Jesus. He wants to remind them of the gospel again. He does it over and over again in Colossians, but here's a real clear chunk, a real clear chunk where Paul nails the gospel and tells them, this is how you come under Jesus. Check it out. It's in verse 13. Because if we get the gospel clearly, if you get the gospel clearly today, you'll never want to leave it. You'll never want to leave it. Here we go. Verse 13. It's a story of where we've been and where we've been brought to. So we can look at where we've been. Verse 13. When you were dead in your sins. When you were dead in your sins. Verse 14 goes on to say that we're legally indebted. We're in debt to God. 
Why is that? Well, we're in debt because of the sin that we're dead in. All right? Because God has given us everything. A lot of this we've seen yesterday, but I want to remind us, God has given us our life. He's made us. He's given us our life. Everything you have comes from Him. Your breath, everything, God has given it to you. And as our Creator, He expects you to live a certain way. Because He made you, He gets to make up the rules, right? Sometimes we don't like the idea of rules, but if God makes us, He comes up with the rules and where to live by them. God has given us a standard to live by. Do you reckon, just think, think this in your head, don't say it out loud, do you think that's too much to ask? Do you think it's too much of God to ask people that if he were to create them, that they would live the way that he tells them to? It's not too much to ask at all, is it? It's really not. It's not too much to ask. As a person made by God, you're expected to live the way that he tells you to. And yet we don't, do we? We don't. And it's not like we, we just fall short. We don't even come close to the standard that God said. In fact, we refuse to live the way God said. We don't even try our best and fail. We, we don't try. We refuse. We reject God. People refuse to even acknowledge that God exists, let alone try and follow the rules that he sets them. People refuse to even acknowledge he exists. Every single person. You have done this. I have. This is one thing I'm just sitting here telling, telling you or you have. I've done this as well. Rejected God, not lived up to his standards. We can't live up to his standards. You can't even live up to your own standards. Get this. I think we all know lying is wrong. It's a bit of a universal thing. People get that lying is not a good thing. It's a bad thing to do. Here's a challenge. Try and go a week without lying. Try and go a week I will bet everything I have that you will fail miserably. I'd fail. I'd fail miserably. Because we can't even live up to the own standards that we give ourselves. We don't come close to the standards that God sets for us. We don't even come close. You want to see this clearly? Imagine a GoPro. All right? Imagine a GoPro. Imagine every person has this GoPro strapped to their head 24-7. Every person's got one strapped to their head. Everything you see, the GoPro captures, all right? But it goes more than that. It's a different type of GoPro, right? Everything you think, the GoPro captures. Everything you feel, the GoPro captures. And it keeps a record of everything. The way you feel towards someone, the GoPro captures Everything you do, it knows and it keeps a record of. You lie to your parents. You say you go in one place, you go to another. It knows. You get drunk at a party, it knows and it keeps track. You say mean things to your friend behind their back to someone else. They don't know, but the GoPro knows and it keeps track. You look at that guy or girl and you think sexually about them. It knows, it keeps track. Everything you look at online, it knows, and it keeps track. Everything you do, think, feel, it keeps track of it. Every wrong you've done, every time that you haven't lived up to God's standard, it keeps a track, it keeps a record. Who would be happy for it to be shown here today? 
Who'd be happy for that footage to just be shown to everyone today? No one. No one. I would run. If my footage was up on the screen for you to see, I would run. I'd do anything to make sure that that was not shown. Because we know we don't live a life that we should. We don't like to think about it often because it's not nice. But we don't live a life that we should. And that footage stands against us because it shows that we haven't lived the way that God's told us to. It's evidence against us. All right? The guy gets let off from robbing. He says, I'm not going to do it again. The footage of him going and robbing a bank again is evidence against him. You didn't live the way you said you would. It's evidence against you. So what does God do about it? Because we're all stuck in that, right? We've all got footage that doesn't live up to the way that God sets. What does God do about it? Can he just let us off the hook? Can he just let us off the hook? It would actually be really unfair of God to do that. We like to think that it's unfair that God judges people, but it would actually be really unfair if he just let us off the hook. Imagine this, right? Nicky B comes up to you and he just stabs you in the leg. And he goes, basketball, and walks off, all right? (laughs) He walks off, stabs you in the leg. And you walk up and you're like, hey, Jordan, I'm like, hey, man, you're like, um... Nick stabbed me in the leg. You're pretty chill about it, which is nice. Be like, Nick stabbed me in the leg, dude. If I just went to you, ah, Nick, (laughs) what you going to do? Get out of here. What would that show you about what I thought Nick did to you? I don't care. I do not care what Nick did to you. In fact, it shows you something a bit further. It shows you I don't care about you. If I don't care that Nick stabbed you, I really don't care about you, right? What we've done to God is evil. It's not naughty, it's evil what we've done. God can't just let us off the hook and still be fair. And so he must punish people who sin. Get that? God must punish sin for him to be fair. And because we've committed a crime against an eternally good God... The punishment we face is eternal. And so hell is the punishment forever for those who have sinned against God. And so the GoPro condemns us to that. The footage condemns us to that. Sure, and then you think, all right, I'm going to be better from now then. All right, I know how to fix it. I'll be better from now. So, all right, I've been lying lots, I'm going to stop lying. But that doesn't cut it, right? Nick doesn't get off the hook because he stops stabbing you and doesn't do it more. It doesn't, doesn't work like that, right? You're condemned from what's already happened. The evidence is there. And so the punishment must be dished out. And so we're condemned, verse 13, we're dead. Hopeless. Hopeless. Come back into verse 13 with me. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, get this, this next bit is the gospel. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. God made you alive. That's what he did. Here's a fish, right? 
it's super dead. Like, it's really dead. I don't know what you want the fish to do to get itself alive again. Like, we can, like, ask it. Like, hey, let's do it, ready? Hey, fish, don't be dead. Is dead. All right? Nothing. The fish can't do anything now to get itself alive again. It's done. All right? It's done. But the thing with the fish is... We can't even make it alive. But imagine your mate, right? Your mate's in the surf, and he gets caught in a rip, he gets carried out, and he drowns. How does he get himself into shore? He doesn't, right? The lifeguard can, but he can't. So he needs help from the outside. And so the lifeguard goes out, and he gets him in, and he puts him on the shore. Can he do his own compressions? He's dead. He's not doing anything. Can he give himself the mouth-to-mouth? No, he can't, because he's dead, he can't do anything. He needs the lifeguard's help to do that. His only hope is that if someone else from the outside comes in and makes him alive there, right? We get that, we get that. You have no way of making yourself right with God. Not being better, the damage is done. You've got no way of making yourself right with God. You need someone from the outside, And that's why when verse 13 says, God made you alive with Christ, that it's beautiful. Because he's come to do it when you couldn't. But you should have a question at this point, I reckon. How can he do that? Because we've just said that the GoPro's in the way. The footage is in the way. It's standing against us. It's evidence against us. And it would be unfair of God just to pretend it didn't happen. So how can he make us alive? How can he do that and still be fair? Verse 13 and 14, come back with it again. God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins having cancelled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. He can't just pretend it didn't happen. He takes it away. But how does he do that? Because there has to be punishment. And there is punishment. But instead of you getting it, Jesus does. Jesus takes the punishment. You see, Jesus, God becomes a man and he lives the perfect life. He's held to the same standard that you are, right? Held to the same standard and yet he never stuffs it up. His footage, completely clean because he never lied, not once. He never thought anything bad about someone, not once. Can you imagine that? Never thinking anything bad about someone, not once. He never looked at someone with lust, not once. He never put himself higher than someone else. He was always sort of others above himself. He was always good. He was always perfect. And so his footage is great. It's perfect. Nothing can stand against him. There is no evidence against Jesus because he lived up to the standards that God set. It's incredible. No evidence against him. But this is the message of the gospel. Are you ready? Jesus goes and grabs your footage. And he says, that's mine. 
he grabs your footage and goes, this is actually my footage. And so God punishes Jesus because he has your footage. As Jesus is nailed to the cross, so is your footage. As Jesus is nailed to the cross, so is your sin. As Jesus is nailed to the cross, so is your punishment for that sin. And so the very thing that stood against you is gone. Because your footage is gone. And Jesus gives you his to swap. Jesus takes your footage and he gives you his. So that when God looks at you for the evidence against you, he finds none. If your trust is in Jesus, there is no evidence against you. Because you have the footage of Jesus in your place. Because he took yours. The swap happened. I've talked to people who say, Jordan, you don't get it. God can't accept me for who I am. I've, I've messed up big time. God could not accept me for the things I've done done terrible things. He couldn't accept me. Listen, he doesn't. God doesn't accept you for who you are. He accepts you because of who Jesus is. God can accept you because of who Jesus is. And so say sorry for your sin. Trust that the death of Jesus has paid for it. And the God of the universe will forgive you. He will forgive you. It's not, a, it's not a maybe. It's not a might. He promises that he will forgive you. Right now. I know a lot of you guys have been thinking about this this week. A lot of guys come in not knowing if you're right with Jesus. A lot of you guys come in knowing that you're not or not believing any of it. You can be forgiven by God... Right now, this second, that's incredible that one second can do that, your trust in Jesus, but you need to take it. We saw that on on the other day. We talked about faith, trust. You need to take it. And so if you're not sure about this still, keep coming to youth. Come to life, seniors who run in this next term We look at the evidence for the Bible, the evidence for Jesus, the evidence for his resurrection. If you're still wanting evidence, come. There's plenty of it. There's plenty of it. But some of you don't need to wait any longer. Some of you are ready to accept it right now. You've been amongst it this week and you're ready to accept it right now. So I'm going to give you the chance to do that. I'm going to pray. I'm going to leave a gap after a couple of words. And if you want this hope, if you want to be forgiven, then repeat it in your head. And we'll show that your trust is in Jesus and at that very moment, the God of the universe will forgive you. We're not done, but I'm going to pray now. If that's you, if that's what you want, then take this chance now. Let's pray. God, I am sorry. I'm sorry for the way that I've treated you. You made me. 
and I rejected you. I've sinned against you and I'm sorry. Forgive me. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he lived the perfect life. Thank you that you punished him for my sin. Forgive me. Please help me change. Please help me live for you. Amen. If you prayed that, then this moment you are forgiven by God. Forgiven by Him. And this exact moment is the best moment of your life. It's the best news. I would be stoked to hear it. If after you want to come up and tell me, that'd be great. You don't need to, but I'd love to pray for you. I'd love to thank God for doing that. It's the best news ever. And the Colossians get this, right? Because the first thing was you need to get the gospel. That's the gospel. Paul spells it out for them. They're Christians. They're forgiven by God, but they've still got this sense of FOMO. They've still got the fear of missing out. So here's the second big thing Paul warns them about. You need to guard the gospel. You need to guard the gospel. Once you've gotten the gospel, you need to watch yourself. Come to verse 8 with me. Sorry, my voice is slowly dying. Verse 8. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. Be on your guard. But when do you need to be on your guard? When you're under attack, right? When, when you're going to be kidnapped, taken captive. That's what this is saying. And so the Colossians are facing attack from people coming in. They're saying that they need more than Jesus. Jesus isn't enough. There's more. Jesus is important, but there's more. That's what they're saying. If you really want to get the real deal, this is what the Colossians are being told. If you really want to get the real deal, if you don't want to miss out, then there's more you need to do. There's more out there, more out there for you. And there's two particular things that they need to be on guard against. Here's the first one. The first one is rules. You need to watch out for rules. It's a funny sentence, isn't it? Watch out for rules. Every other religion on our planet is about rules. Every single one. Every other religion is about rules. You need to do these things in order to be right with God. Or you need to do these things to have oneness and to be whole. It's all about the things that you do. Judaism, Islam, Buddhism. Every other religion is about what you do. And the Colossians are being told to watch out for this. Check out uh, verse 16. Verse 16. Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration or a Sabbath day. Or in verse 21, come down to there with me. These guys are saying to them, uh, do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. The Colossians are being judged because of what they're doing. Right? They're, getting, they're getting judged because of what they're eating or for not celebrating these particular days. And it's not judged like they're like, oh, you're eating that 
That's got carbs in it, all right? They're not, they're not being judged like that, but they're being judged in the sense of, if you're doing that, you're not right with God. You're eating these things, you're not celebrating these things, you're not right with God. You have to do these things to do that. It's Jesus plus more. This, this type of thing is Catholicism in our world. It's different to Christianity, Because it's Jesus, yes, plus rules. You need to trust in Jesus, yeah, but you still need to do stuff. There are things you need to do to make sure that you're right with God. That's Catholicism. It's not the exact thing that's happening here, but that's something that's happening in our world today. And if you don't do those things, then you can't be right with God. You can't be sure that you're right with God. It's not the same as Christianity. While every other religion on our planet is about rules, Christianity isn't. What was the gospel that we just saw, that Paul just told them about? The gospel is we can't keep the rules. You can try and keep the rules, but you're stuffed. The footage is against you. It's condemned you. The gospel is about what Jesus has done for you. Not what you can do to make yourself right with God. What Jesus has done for you to make you right with God. That's the gospel. And so you don't need to follow these whack rules to be right with God. These teachings have nothing on Jesus. They're a shadow, you see that. Jesus is the real deal. When you become a Christian, if you are a Christian now, you're not going to all of a sudden become perfect. You're not all of a sudden going to stop doing all the things that you were doing against God. And sometimes when you stuff up, you're going to feel like God is angry with you. Sometimes when you know that you've stuffed up, you're going to feel far away from God, distant. But when God looks at you, he sees Jesus. If your trust is in Jesus, then when God looks at you, he doesn't see that you've stuffed up. He sees Jesus and his perfect life. You are forgiven. You have a clean slate. Remember that. And that means you can always be confident. When you stuff up, God isn't angry with you. When you stuff up, you're not far from God because God looks at you and sees the perfection of Jesus. You can always be confident. The fact that you stuff up doesn't change that. You have confidence. No other religion in the world can have that confidence. You can if you're trusting in Jesus. Here's the second thing they need to be on guard against. They need to be on guard against experiences. First one was rules. Next one is experiences. Check out verse 18 with me. Do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you. Such a person goes into great detail about what they have seen. They are puffed up with idle notions by their unspiritual mind. Some people say that you need to just move on to a more spiritual experience of what you've already got. Sure, Jesus is good. Being forgiven is good. That's cool. But there's more to it. There's a more spiritual side of it. I mean, are you you seeing angels? Are you seeing them? Are you hearing God's voice audibly in your head? Are you having visions? Are you speaking in tongues? Are you healing people? Because if you're really a Christian, that's the next step. That's what's being told. That's what we can get told now. It's Jesus plus more. Jesus plus experiences. But it's the same deal. You already have it the best you can get it. 
You've been forgiven by God if your trust is in Jesus. Forgiven by him. You want to hear God speak to you? He has in his word. You don't need it more. He's given you everything you need. You want to see angels? Jesus is the Lord of the universe who made them. And you have him. You don't need that. Do I see healing? Sure do. I was dead and God made me alive. We have it the best. It's time for some big shack quick maths. Are you ready for this? Here's two equations for you. Everything minus Jesus equals nothing. If you have everything in the whole world, but you don't have Jesus, then you're, you're not forgiven by God. And so it's all pointless and it's all nothing. Everything minus Jesus is nothing. But the two that we just looked at was this. Jesus plus anything equals nothing. Jesus plus anything equals nothing. You can't add to Jesus. Jesus is good, but you need to follow these rules? No. Jesus did the work. If you're trying to follow rules to be right with God, you're not right with him. You're not trusting in Jesus. Jesus is good, but there's a better experience out there that you need as well? No. God made you alive with Jesus. You were dead, and now you're alive. It doesn't get better than that. You're already full in Jesus. If you've got a cup full of water, and you try and fill it more by dropping a rock in there, what happens to the water? Goes out. You can't add more to Jesus. He's the fullest experience you'll get. In Jesus, you are fully full. Fully full. Anything else that you try and put in is just going to make you empty. In Jesus, you're fully full. When other people say, or when other, other people go around saying other churches are more spiritual than other churches, you need to watch out for that. You just need to watch out for it. Because if you're hearing the Bible taught truthfully, then that church is a spirit-filled church. Because God speaks and his spirit works when his word is read. So if the Bible is taught truthfully somewhere, it's a spirit-filled church. And so you need to make sure that when the Bible's being read, it is being taught truthfully. So when I preach it to you, you check. You make sure I'm not saying anything that's dodgy. If you're singing songs that have true things in them, then that is a spirit-filled song. If you're singing a song that has true words about the gospel in it, then you're singing a spiritual song, whether it feels good or not. That song is filled with the spirit when you sing it. It's amazing. It's not bad to feel good when you sing. In fact, too many of us, when we sing songs about being made alive, look like we're still dead. Once was dead in sin. You look like it. You look like you are. When you're singing about the good thing that's happened to you in Jesus, the best thing, smile a little. Clap a little because it's good. What's happened is good. Try and look a little alive when you're doing it. But the thing that makes it spiritual isn't that. It's what you're singing that makes it spiritual. It's a spirit-filled song if you're singing the truth. In Jesus, we're full. In Jesus, we're full. But there is a type of more we need, and this is the third and last thing that Paul tells them. So they need to get the gospel. They need to guard the gospel. The third one, you need to grow in the gospel. You need to grow in the gospel. Come back with verse 6 with me. We're almost done. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, 
What do we do? Continue to live your lives in Him, rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. How are you going to make sure that you're never deceived by the other stuff that comes along? You're going to know the gospel more and more and more and more and more. And to help us get this, Paul gives us a couple of pictures, right? He doesn't draw them in there, but you can see that the first one he gives us is like a tree. It's rooted and rooted in him. When a seed from a tree starts to sprout, it's got to have roots, right? It's got to have the roots. And as the roots grasp onto and hold onto the soil for life, we need to grasp onto Jesus for life. And never let go and keep growing in it. We need to get the gospel more and more and more. Love it more and more and more. Keep our roots growing in it. It's what gives us life. And the second picture you see in there is a building. It's built up. I don't know much about buildings, but this is what I do know. Just like Drake, they start from the bottom. All right? They start from the bottom. And so what you need to do is make sure you get the foundation right. Make sure you get the foundation right first before you try and build anything up. We need to get the gospel. We've already seen that. We need to get the gospel. We need to grow upwards from it. We need to be strengthened in the faith. You can see it in there as well, verse 7. This doesn't mean that you need to have better faith or stronger faith or trust Jesus more than you already do. It means you need to know the faith. You need to know the truths of the gospel more and more and more. Know them more than you do now. Keep going. It's knowing Jesus better and loving him more. The gospel's like water. You can put some in a little inflatable pool and a kid's going to have fun in there, right? They can have a great time. But the ocean is so big that you could spend your whole life searching it and you won't even come close to working out all that's in it. The gospel of Jesus is beautiful enough that a little kid can work it out and be forgiven. But it's so big that if you spend your whole life working it out, you still wouldn't come close to it. And so you don't know it all. I don't even, I'm not even close to knowing a speck of it. So we keep learning more and more and more. And if you do that, you're going to be overflowing with thankfulness. Overflowing with thankfulness because Jesus took your footage. He took it on himself and he gave you his. If anyone else tells you that there's more, you're going to think they're crazy, right? Because you know that you've got it best. You know you've got it best if you keep growing in it more and more and more. If you're overflowing with thankfulness because God made you alive with Christ when you were dead, when someone tries to tell you that there's a better spiritual experience, you're going to think they're crazy because you know you've got it best. You might be confident in your faith here, and that is great, but keep on going. Keep growing in it. Your leaders need to keep growing in it. I need to keep growing in it. We all need to do that together. There's so many ways that we can do this. Here's a couple, right? Here's a couple of ways that we can grow in the gospel together. And they're real simple. (laughs) Read the Bible. Try and read through the whole Bible. I feel like often we can get to chunks and we're like, all right, Leviticus, I get it. Don't touch the shellfish. I don't know what's happening, right? There's chunks that are real hard to get through. We've got to try and get through them because there's stuff in there that's going to help us grow in the gospel. If you read four chapters of the Bible a day, four chapters in a day, in a year, you're going to read the whole thing. Four chapters a day, you'll read the whole thing. Maybe that's a challenge for you. Maybe you just need to start with a verse a day. If that's you, then do that. 
If you can go for four chapters, then give it a go. Let's try and get through the whole Bible. It's going to help us grow in the gospel. Have you tried to memorize parts of the Bible before? This is something I've tried to start doing this year. I'm not very good at it. My memory's not great, but I'm someone I'm giving a crack. Have you tried to memorize parts of the Bible? So helpful. Really helpful. Because at parts of your day, you're just going to be memorizing parts of what God's saying to you. It's going to be deep in you. You're going to grow in the gospel. If you want, there's an app. It's called uh, Scripture Memory. All right? There's plenty of apps out there, right? But I find it's easier on my phone. Scripture Memory. It's got some verses in there. You can flick it open. Use that to try and memorize stuff. Maybe that's you. Give it a go. Why not? Grow in the gospel. Have you tried reading Christian books? It's kind of hard when there's a bazillion out there, right? Have you just tried picking up one and reading one? I've got a couple here. These are just a couple I picked up from home, right? Knowing God by a dude called Packer. Great book. Give it a go. What else we got? Crazy Love. This one's a real easy one by a guy called Francis Chance. about the love that God has for you and how crazy it is that Jesus would come and die for us. It's a great book. Give it a read. What else we got? I feel like Oprah. One Forever. It's about how we're joined to Jesus. We're going to hear about this tomorrow, actually, from Colossians. Look how short that is. It's great. Give it a read. Hole in Our Holiness. It's another great one. It's trying to help us understand how we can fight sin. I feel like that's one where we really struggle to work out even where to start. He does it really well. And if you're in for a long slog, The Cross of Christ, one of the best books outside of the Bible you can read. It's a pretty hard one to read. If you're up for it, give it a go. There's plenty of books out there that are going to help you grow in the gospel. Maybe that's something for you. Pray. Ask God to help you grow in the gospel. He loves to answer that prayer. Grow in the gospel. God, would you help me know the gospel better in a year than I do now? You'd be amazed at what he'll do. Find someone that you can catch up with and just chat about how life's going. Find a mate of yours that you trust and go, hey, can we catch up every now and then? Maybe read the Bible together and just see how each other are going. If I'm struggling with something, can I let you know? It's a great thing. If you can find someone that you can do that with, it's really helpful. There are so many ways to grow in the gospel. So many ways. And that's what the Christian life's all about. Get the gospel Guard the gospel, grow in the gospel. You might want to spend some of your G team working out where your next step is. Something that you might want to do to start doing that. Do you notice how everything we talked about today is about the gospel? Everything's about it. Because as a Christian, we never move on from the gospel. It's our beginning, it's our middle, it's our end. It's all about the gospel. We just grow in it. We don't get more than it. You need to get it, guard it, grow it. I'm going to pray. God, we thank you for the gospel. (laughs) We want to thank you that though we deserve punishment, you offer us hope. That if we put our trust in Jesus, you've punished him for our sin and given us his perfect life. What a swap that is. We thank you for the gospel. Pray that you'd help us guard it, help us to watch out for those who say that we need to follow rules to be right with you, or there's better experiences out there for us. Help us to make sure we know the gospel 
in all its beauty so we're not swayed by that. We pray that to do that, you would help us grow in the gospel. Pray for each one of us here that you'd help us to work out what's our next step, what's the thing we want to do to try and grow in the gospel more. Pray that we'd help each other do that. And ultimately, we thank you that you'll be the one who will help us grow in the gospel. Amen.